What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. I am feeling a bit under the weather today, so I'm probably not going to be talking for as long as the past few episodes have been. Uh, it's more probably going to be around like 30, 35 minutes, if I had to guess. But we'll see. I'm not going to hold myself to a time limit, but I'm also just not going to talk as much as I usually do. I'll start off with a story. So yesterday was uh, the release, the pre-sale release of all the tickets for Avengers Endgame. And it was, uh, AMC was notoriously uh, down. Their, their site completely crashed. Their app that I use and all my friends use um, to pre-order reservations for movies we want to go see because we have like the A-list uh, subscription. And the reason why we got it is for things like this. When everyone's scrambling to get tickets online, we could just pop on the app, reserve our tickets, and that's it. But the app and the website, well, the website didn't crash. Um, actually, no, the AMC's website and app crashed. And then the other websites that they said like, oh, our um, partner websites or stuff like that to buy tickets on. So Fandango is the most popular one. And there was a couple other ones that they named, but they had online waiting rooms. So you would have to go and go purchase your ticket. And then they would like put you in a waiting room. And when it was your turn to buy the ticket or check out or whatever, you would get redirected to the site. It was ridiculous. I saw on Twitter people that I know uh, saying that they waited four hours on an online waiting room to get tickets. This was all after the fact, but when this was all happening, I had woke up and a half hour prior, all my friends were saying, oh, the, you know, the site's down, blah, blah, blah. We can't get tickets. We'll have to wait it out. And I was like, screw that. I'm not waiting. Not for this movie. For any other movie, I would have just waited until the app came back. And then I would have seen it on like Friday or Saturday or something like that. I wasn't willing to do that for this movie. I'm, I was going, I was determined to see it opening night, Thursday night, April 25th. So I went, thank God I wasn't at work. Uh, I didn't have to go into work till like three. And thank God, because if I was at work, I would have been crawling out of my skin with anxiety and I know it's just a movie but like it's arguably the biggest movie of my life not for me personally I'm saying the biggest the most anticipated release of a movie in my lifetime this movie's going to break all the records it took it so previously the most pre-sale tickets for a movie where was Avengers Infinity War. Endgame broke those records in six hours. So the entire day that Infinity War had racking up those pre-sale tickets, Endgame broke it in six hours. This this is gonna this movie will shatter box office records. And a part of me wishes that it was it wasn't like that. Like when all these Marvel movies started, they weren't huge. You know, Iron Man came out and people were like, that's cool. People who liked Iron Man, people who liked superheroes were like, this is, this is a good movie. We liked Iron Man. And then from there, it just spiraled into, it, or it snowballed into just this monster movie franchise that 
everybody it became a pop culture like phenomenon and kind of annoying because it's the same thing that happened with Star Wars Disney kind of created these giant blockbuster monstrosities with Marvel and Star Wars and I wish it was back to when uh it was just a a handful a certain select amount of people liked it cuz it was just easier it was you know it was more it was more of like a like a a small group like a click and you ha- we had our own little section and that was it but now it's like everybody is going to see these movies and it's like bandwagoning pretty much but that's just me nitpicking and stuff. Uh, yeah, this movie's going to break all types of records. But anyway, I ended up having to go to the movie theater. And I bought like eight IMAX tickets for me and my friends. And then, of course, uh, around... That was at... I did that before noon. I went I went there to the movie theater at like 11 to buy the tickets. Uh, but at like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, the AMC app was up and running again. So I decided to check the tickets to the the showing that I had bought tickets to. And the only seats that were available were like the bottom, the very, 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 very front row on the left, right, and middle. And about four tickets for each of those sections, left, right, middle. So I wouldn't, me and my friends definitely would not have been able to sit together, enjoy the movie together. Plus, we would have been breaking our necks looking up at the the IMAX screen. But now, we're in a nice little corner to ourselves. Not surrounded by people. So, that's good. Uh, But, it's not... You know, the A-list thing, it's whatever. Like, it's kind of the reason why I got it. Is for big movies like this. And it failed. But, whatever. I mean, I'm not mad I had to spend $17 on a ticket. It's not that big of a deal. But... There are other movies coming out that, uh, besides Endgame, that I'll be talking about. Um, Shazam. I'm going to see Shazam on Saturday. And then uh, Hellboy comes out, I think, the 12th. And Pet Cemetery, I think, also comes out uh, this weekend as well. I don't know if I'm going to see Pet Cemetery. That's the only one that's kind of up in, up in the air. Uh, but Shazam and Hellboy are definitely two movies I'll go see because Hellboy uh, with Ron Perlman in the early 2000s, I love that movie. That was a PG-13 Hellboy also. This one is with David Harbour, I believe. He's the sheriff from Stranger Things. I love that casting. And also, it's a rated R Hellboy. So, he'll be much more Hellboy-ish than he was even in the early 2000s, which I thought was a great movie. Uh, This one is definitely going to be more gritty, and I'm sure the language will be tougher. There'll be more blood and gore and Hellboy will be a lot more violent than he was in the PG-13 movie. And then of course Shazam I'm seeing Saturday which I was kind of up in the air when me and my friends saw the coming attractions originally in the movie theater. Uh, We didn't know what to make of it but I thought I didn't know if it was going to be great but it looked like a fun movie to just go see with your friends and have a few laughs but it's getting amazing reviews. I mean it has a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes and again I don't uh think Rotten Tomatoes is the end-all be-all of movie ratings, but 
I mean, it's a DC superhero movie, so to get that high of a rating says something. And then, of course, it's also a comedy. Not, It's not branded as a comedy, but it's definitely like a goofy movie. I mean, Shazam is a goofy character. He's like a less serious Superman. Anyway, let's get into the, the sports things I want to talk about. First is going to be the Yankees. Okay, the Yankees are in some trouble here. <laughs> um, so they opened the season with a... Uh, they beat the crap out of the Orioles. They looked great. Everything was going smoothly. Then they lose the next two to the Orioles. Then they lose to the Tigers. Or then they beat the Tigers. Then they lose to the Tigers last night. So there's a rubber game right now of between them and Detroit, which is unacceptable. These first two series, I mean, they should be 6-0. and or 5-0, and about to be 6-0. and they, they shouldn't have lost any of those games. But, of course, they did. And on top of that, Stanton hit the... It's not the DL anymore. It's the... Not the disabled list. It's the injury list, so it's the IL. Stanton hits the, uh, the IL with... Uh, I think it was a tricep or bicep. Something with his arm. Not great. And then Andujar has a small labrum tear in his shoulder, which he injured sliding back in the third, I believe it was. That's, I mean, they haven't announced what he's going to do yet, but season-ending surgery was on the table. I'd be very shocked if he didn't do that. He's very young. You don't want to risk having any prolonged injury with that uh just get the surgery and sit it out and that I mean that hurts we're lucky we signed DJ LeMayhew honestly because if the Yankees didn't sign DJ LeMayhew they'd be in some serious trouble but it turns out now that was a very smart signing because he'll probably end up being the everyday third baseman for the most part uh DD comes back all-star break-ish uh but for now Tulo is going to be the shortstop. Glaber is going to be at second. Uh, Greg Bird and Luke Voigt are platooning at DH and first base. Stanton's out, so Frazier got called up from the minor leagues. I like Clint Frazier. He'll get some some playing time. But it's just it's the worst-case scenario right now. You have now Stanton and Andujar immediately hit the injury list be two games into the season, three games into the season, whatever it was. You already have Severino there till May-ish, probably. I mean, it's not great. Obviously, Ellsbury's there, but who gives a shit about Ellsbury? Uh, just guys landing on the injury list, man. It's not great. It is not great, especially to start the season. This is how you get off to starts that you might not be able to recover from. Uh, starting pitching has been good. It's just we the Yankees, again, they haven't hit with runners in scoring position. Currently, the Orioles and Blue Jays sit atop the AL East. The Yankees and Red Sox sit on the bottom. So who could have saw that coming? It uh, it's not it's not a great start for the Yankees. Not a great start. The Mets, however, are off to a terrific start. I believe they're four and one. They took two of three from the Nationals, and have taken the first two games in the series against Miami. So they look good. Pete Alonso. Their rookie first baseman, who uh, has been in the starting lineup since the beginning of the season, 
he lo- he's looked great. DeGrom looked good in his, his outing against the Nationals. He had some jams, you know, a couple too many jams probably if you're that you're comfortable with, but he worked out of them like a stud he is. Syndergaard looked good. Mats pitched great against Miami. So the Mets, I mean, listen, we saw it last year too. The Mets got off to a roaring hot start. So no need to overreact about the Mets in April. Same way there's no way to overreact about the Yankees struggling in April. Give it some time. Come May, if they're still in the same place as they are now, you could feel good about the Mets and then start worrying about the Yankees. All right, it's the the first two week of the season. That being said, guys like Christian Yelich, I'm sure you don't mind. He started off the season by hitting four straight home runs in four games. A home run in each game. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, reigning NL MVP. And he had a, a pretty good first half of last season. And then the second half is when he exploded and catapulted himself into the NL MVP, and he's just carried that momentum seemingly all the way into uh, the beginning of this season. So Christian Yelich is going to be a problem for a while now. Definitely here to stay. It wasn't just some hot streak. He's the real deal. Uh, Yesterday, Ronald Acuna, 21 I think, 21-year-old outfielder for the Atlanta Braves, gets an eight-year, $100 million extension. This is probably the smartest thing the Braves have ever done. Um, Ronald Cunha is an absolute stud. Everyone knows it. And he's 21 years old, so to lock him down until he's 29, turning 30, for only a $100 million extension, I mean, it seems like you just, you bargained him. That... If he didn't sign that extension, he would he is a guy who at 25-26 would get he would probably on pace to command Manny Machado, Bryce Harper type money. He's that kind of talent. So for the Braves to lock him down all the way pretty much have him throughout his him being so young and then into his prime for I mean this isn't even a lot of money. 100 million dollars. Eight years, not a lot of money. He was only making 500, I said only for the average person. For a baseball player, it's not a lot. He's making like 520-something thousand dollars. That's what Judge is making also. Judge is going to get a monster contract, but we'll talk about that when we get there. But Acuna making 500K, something like that. Now making a nice chunk of change for himself, but not as much as he probably could have made it if he hit the open market. So a smart move for the Braves to lock it down. Also, yesterday, or last night, uh, Bryce Harper and the Phillies make their season debut in D.C. against the Washington Nationals. I believe the game was on ESPN. I think it was on national TV. Uh, but makes their na- uh, his debut, his, you know, back to Washington, D.C. He had this nice heartfelt Instagram post doing everything he can to, you know, be the nice guy. Thank D.C. for all they did. Uh, You know, it's not his fault he left. Uh, The owners for D.C., for the Nationals, completely botched it. They completely botched the negotiations. Um, And Bryce Harper, 
I mean, he put DC on, he put the Nationals on the map. The Washington Nationals are still uh, sludged in mediocrity if Bryce Harper doesn't come along, if they don't get that number one draft pick. Yes, they had Steven Strasburg, but how how glamorous is a pitcher, right? Bryce Harper was the guy. They He made Nationals baseball relevant, made them a playoff team, a contender. And he left. It happens. And he went to the Phillies, and he came back. Booze. Booze on booze on booze. It was terrible. Uh, not a great... I mean, I get national fans are salty because he left, but, like, come on, man. Come on. He's a he's a young man. He's, like, two years older than me. Three years older than me. I think he's, like, what, 26? I'm 23. That's not great. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, there was a section out in right field where Bryce Harper plays that a bunch of Phillies fans, they bought the entire right field section, and they were cheering him and trolling national fans the entire game, and Bryce Harper runs out. No, he I guess once he recognized that those were Phillies fans, and does a huge bow. He does a huge bow, and like <laughs> towards the Phillies fans. Crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, he killed he killed the DC fans. Killed them. They're dead. Washington DC is dead. Baseball in DC is dead. couple other things, and then we'll probably wrap it up, honestly. It's, uh, like I said, I don't feel great. I'm sniffling and coughing over here, which you guys won't hear because I'm going to edit that out, but whatever. Uh, so the Wizards fired their president, Ernie Grunfeld, Grunfield, whatever. He stinks. I mean, the Wizards have been, they have just constantly bad contracts after bad contracts, uh, Underperforming under underperformance. John Wall has, I mean, he's been a mess the past year or so. I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, I do know what's going on with him. He tore his Achilles in his house, but still, just it's just all been a whole mess for uh, Washington. So they're finally rid of him. He's gone. Hopefully, some new uh, management with a, a smarter basketball mind will come in and try and correct Washington Wizards basketball. But I doubt it. Now we'll talk about Duke real quick because they've been a topic of discussion and the final four. So I mentioned on my last podcast how great I was doing. Uh, not so great anymore. Pretty much every pick I had in the Sweet 16 slash Elite 8 lost. So I am officially out of the running for that. Really stinks. I felt I was really good, but I should have known because I had too many high seeds in my my Elite Eight Final Four. I should have known it wasn't going to work out that way. Auburn, uh, of course, the surprise team. They defeated UNC after beating Kansas. And then they defeated Kentucky as well. So Auburn just taking out all the big dogs, all the blue bloods, and advancing into the Final Four. Along with Virginia, who defeated Purdue in overtime. Real shame how that game ended. Uh, Carson Edwards is going down as one of the March Madness performance legends. Uh, what a what a tournament he had, man! Oh my goodness. Uh, it's a shame the way it ended on a an errand pass from Carson Edwards. 
on the possession that probably could have tied the game. So it, it was a shame to see it end that it end that way. But to go into overtime, Purdue just had a hell of a tournament, uh, fantastic. And then, of course, Virginia survives and advances to the Final Four. Michigan State beats Duke. Uh, Tom Izzo outduels Coach K. So Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans, they advance to the Final Four. And then, of course, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who have just, uh, they've been dominating their side of the bracket. Uh, They defeated Gonzaga and are now also in the Final Four. So Texas Tech, Auburn, Virginia, and Michigan State. Michigan State versus Texas Tech, of course, I should specify. Michigan State versus Texas Tech and Auburn versus Virginia. Uh, I I mean, Auburn is on fire, so I got to pick Auburn and probably Michigan State to be in the finals, which is kind of, that is an absolutely bonkers NCAA championship. But Auburn and Michigan State is my final, and honestly, I couldn't even tell you who's going to win that one because they're both just, Michigan State, they don't really have like that superstar freshman guy. Right, but they are just a well-oiled machine. Cassius Winston is a phenomenal point guard. He's one of those guys that really is an extension of his coach on the floor. He's he's been phenomenal. And then Auburn's just got shooters on shooters. They just come at you nonstop, and they don't stop. They've been, they've been on fire, and their defense too. Their defense has been impeccable. So both got both teams. Uh, that's a, that would be a tough matchup, but that's my. That's my championship matchup, is the Spartans versus the Tigers. Now let's talk about Duke. Duke lost to Michigan State. Um, Yeah, was it... The question being asked is, was it a disappointing season for Duke? You know, you come in, you have the top three freshmen in the recruiting class with Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish, and you don't make the Final Four. You get bounced in the Elite Eight, granted only by, uh, I think it was like three or four points, but you get bounced in the Elite Eight. Uh, is it a disappointing season? And yes and no. Uh, obviously, you come in with this kind of highly touted recruiting class with the top three freshmen, plus Trey Jones, who's also, I think he was a top 15, not top 10, but top 15 recruit, number two point guard. And you dominate, you dominate, you dominate, but... When, by the time the tournament comes, teams have you figured out. Every single team that Duke faced gave them problems. Maybe, you know, without the original round, but three games in a row. Three games in a row, teams challenged them. They lost by UCF. by a, They beat UCF by a bucket, missed game-winning uh, putback by Dawkins. They beat Virginia Tech, a missed uh, inbound alley-oop off the side of the rim, completely blew it, barely beat those two teams, barely, and then Michigan State was the team that proved that they weren't going to mess up when it came time to put Duke away, and they didn't. So Duke, I think, they suffered, I mean, this was by far the worst one of the worst shooting teams in college basketball. I mean, they didn't shoot well from the three. They didn't shoot well from the street free throw line. You know, the mid-range game is, like, dead in college basketball. They were completely dominant inside, but they suffered from a bunch of things. Trey Jones could not shoot. 
Trey Jones cannot shoot to save his life. Uh, and for that reason, and for him being absolutely exposed, absolutely exposed in the tournament, I think Trey Jones stays. He originally came in probably going to be a one and done, but after being exposed for his completely lack of offensive skill set, aside from you know his passing and ball handling are excellent, his decision making is good, but his uh, his shooting is just garbage. So I think he stays in school for another year now because of that. R.J. Zion and Cam they're gone, obviously, but Cam Reddish could shoot. He suffered from. I think the only one who didn't suffer is Zion. Cam suffered from being on the same court of as R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. And he just didn't get enough spotlight. I like him a lot in the NBA. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he will be a guy who excels more in the NBA than he did in college. R.J. RJ Barrett has proved to be a little bit of a ball hog. Uh, try to make, tries to make things happen that he probably can't. And you saw that in the tournament when teams just started loading the paint. They dared Duke to shoot the ball. And Zion, Zion, he shoots one or two threes maybe, maybe a game. RJ is way too inconsistent from three. And Cam Reddish just doesn't get the ball enough. I don't know. I just feel like he's kind of, he just sits back and watches a lot of the time. And Trey Jones can't shoot. So the, the teams in the tournament learned just pack the paint. Pack the paint, and you'll stay in the game against Duke. Granting, you know, assuming you hit your shots. But Zion seems to be the only one who didn't who didn't suffer in the tournament. Uh, I think R.J. Barrett, again, R.J. Barrett's going to excel in the NBA when you surround him with guys who actually can shoot. Same thing with Zion. Duke, you have three of the same... Well, you have Cam Reddish who can shoot, but again, not that assassin mentality. And then R.J. Barrett and Zion, who just pack the paint, and you you keep yourself in the game. When you're in the NBA, all these guys are going to be on different teams, and they're going to be surrounded with guys who could spread the floor, and I think all three of them will excel in the NBA. Uh, granted, Zion was excelling in college basketball, just being an absolute brute to everybody. But that's besides the point. So was it a disappointing season? Yes. Duke did get exposed, teams adjusted, and they were finally taken down. But that doesn't mean that any of these guys suffered because of it, minus Trey Jones. He's the only one who suffered. All the other three guys, you see their their skill set. You put them on an NBA team with guys who can actually spread the floor and teams can't just pack the paint against you, they'll be fine. And R.J. Barrett, his jump shot is not broken. He just needs to get more consistent. Zion, it's a little herky-jerky, but it's not, again, not broken. Uh, he will definitely extend his range at some point, I'm sure, during the summer and the workouts leading up to the draft. He'll extend his three-point game. R.J. Barrett just has to be more consistent. And Cam Reddish just has to be... You just have to be given the ball more opportunities, pretty much. He didn't have as many opportunities as he probably was, uh, as he definitely was used to in high school. Uh, in the NBA, he'll definitely get more looks than he did in college. Real quick, NBA playoff race. Uh, it's coming down to the wire. There's about four games left for every team. 
I think I said that like four to six last time. I was wrong. It was more like eight-ish. Uh, but now like four games left for each team. The East is the one that I'm really uh, honed in on. The West, all eight teams in the West are solidified. It's just the way that uh, five through or three, really six through eight or five through eight mix and matches, but all eight of those teams are solidified. The East is the the coming down to the wire. It might come down to the very, very last game of the season uh, between the Nets, the Pistons, the Heat, and the Magic. They're all battling for the six, seven, and eight seed. Uh, I believe right now Pistons are in sixth, or Pistons and Brooklyn are tied for the sixth seed, and then there's Miami and Orlando trailing, I think, maybe a game, half a game behind. The Heat may be a half a game, Orlando a game. So all teams in must-win scenario. Uh, I'm hoping that... So the 6, 7, and 8 seed. So one of those teams, one of those four teams being left out. I hope it's the Pistons, the Nets, and the Heat. Not necessarily in that order. But those three teams, I don't really care about the Magic. I don't want to see the Magic in the playoffs because they're just going to get whacked in the first round. I would like to see D... I'm not saying any of these teams are going to beat their first round opponent, but the Pistons and Blake Griffin have just been... They've been on fire. I'd like to see them continue. I love the Nets and D'Angelo Russell. They deserve to be in the playoffs. They've played phenomenal this season. And the Heat, obviously, it's D-Wade's last season, so I'd like to see him go out in the playoffs rather than miss him entirely in the regular season. I want to see his career continue. So all those games to keep an eye on, uh, being in the New York area, I'm probably going to be watching the Nets. They play tonight against, they have a tough schedule. They play against the Raptors, and then the Bucks, and then the Heat, I think, are their last three games. But that's, I mean, it's a tough schedule, which is why I was saying it might come down to that last game with Miami and Brooklyn. We'll keep an eye on, on it. Uh, but I kind of feel like crap so I'm just gonna end it here short podcast but I'll be back next week hopefully back to 100% health and not all stuffed up and groggy and blah but thank you guys for listening nonetheless uh, enjoy your weekend and I'll talk to you guys next week